Welcome to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, a weekly podcast for BJJ enthusiasts who are striving to succeed both on and off the mats. This podcast is brought to you by Robles, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. And here are your hosts on the Jiu-Jitsu of Life, Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. What's aware or anything? It's, I mean, yeah. it's predictable in Texas here, but but this year has been so ridiculous like it's the, like the, the, well the, i don't know the, the last what couple since, years yeah last yeah. last couple of years yeah this, I mean, has actually been, this this year although it has just started has been yeah. uh has been all right it's been better than the other couple then it's, it's been as uh yeah i've been able to predict a lot more than yeah that's <laughs> true <years. laughs> that's true man. yeah i know it's uh, i don't know though why my um uh like it was so strange that all the like a lot of these uh, limbs from the trees snapped off. Yeah, it didn't happen during the snowpocalypse. No, no, it was it was really weird. And I was telling um, a guy who lives down the street from me because he had a bunch of branches come down, and he's like, "How did you do?" I'm like, "Man, we had just a couple." And I'm like, "It doesn't make any sense because it's like one house will have like nothing like nothing happened and the next house it looks like a bomb went off and then there's houses yeah. that have like huge trees that full-on fell over or split in two and it's like I, I don't get it and i was out with my um my boy dog hank i want to i want to say it's like wednesday so it was like when things were frozen and it was pretty scary because number one it looks weird like just all the trees have like a coating of ice so the branches are really low mm -hmm. and then things were starting to snap and it sounded like a shotgun. It's just like, bam. And then like a branch just goes, bam, and crashes on the ground. And I'm like, so we're just like weaving in and out, trying to make sure I'm not under any trees. And we get under something like, let's go. I make them run. And we like run underneath. Cause it's like, dude, it was pretty, it was pretty Man, bad. That sounds like world war Z right kind there. Of, a little bit. Right. I mean, instead of zombies, we had falling <laughs> branches. It's a, it's the M night Shyamalan movie where the, the trees come alive to kill you the <laughs> happening. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> But, so, um, you sent some interesting tech They're They're super yeah. interesting to me because yeah. I don't want to say that this is, this is my realm, but it's a little bit more of like, yeah. you know, it's more business oriented. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, and I read a lot about like venture capitalists, yeah. angel investors, yep. things like that. Um, it, it just really, really fascinates me. Um, it is, and I haven't, and I know you're reading a new book too. Does it kind of stem yeah. from that book? It, it it does. So the book that I, I told you about, I think you bought it too, is it's a guy who's working with, or I don't know if he still does, but he worked with Peter Thiel. And Thiel, Thiel, however you pronounce it, um, one of the many, many successful guys that came out of PayPal. And Peter Peter uh, had a, you know, he made money from PayPal, then he started a, a venture capitalist fund. And, you know, so they were investing in different companies and things like that. And then he started the deal that you and I have talked about before, where he's basically anybody under 20 who is not going to college who has a good business idea he'll basically give the person a hundred thousand dollars no strings attached as essentially seed money to start their company and one of the ones as we talked about was the the russian guy who started ethereum and that guy is now a billionaire and it's a you know multi-billion dollar uh cryptocurrency and there's been some other very successful um quote-unquote graduates from this anti-road scholar type of idea that he's got where it's basically the the um the theory of the premise is that higher education does not really teach you how to make money it teaches you a lot of things that if, in many ways make it harder to make money because you, you come at things from a very academic point of view and people end up out of college a lot of times with useless majors and they have tons of debt and the job market does not necessarily fit what they studied so, you know, in many ways, and I know you and I talked about this a bunch, it's like the question becomes like, should somebody go to college at all? And um, so what I was thinking about that, I'm thinking about uh, the city of Temple, Temple, Texas, an hour away from me, where I have a lot of investments in that area. And that that county is Bell County. So you got Temple, um, Belton, and then <clears throat> Colleen. Um, and, you know, those are sort of the three main cities there. And you know, one of the things that I feel like could help that city is if it could really attract young people. 
you have a lot of young people coming for medical school because there's um, right now it's Texas A&M. Next year it's going to be Baylor Medical School that's based out of Houston has a temple um, sort of satellite school. So you've got all the medical students. You have the teaching hospital. So you have doctors doing rotations. You have people coming in and teaching. So for the medical world, which tends to be when we're talking about medical students and residents, you know, relatively young people, mainly in their 20s, um, they're there, but they're sort of there by necessity. And in my mind, because I'm so heavily invested in this city and because I'm starting to look at things from a bigger point of view, I'm like, well, what can I do to make this a place that young people want to go to and hang around because it's got good advantages for them? Because right now it's practical, but young people need more than just practical because there's a lot of practical places to live. So I was texting with you back and forth and I'm like, it would be interesting to try and do something like Peter Thiel is doing. Um, maybe not a hundred thousand dollars per, per person, but, but I like that idea of how can I encourage businesses to start and develop and build in a place like Temple or, or just really in Bell County in general, because I don't want to, as much as I crap on places like Colleen and stuff like that, like what I like about that area is they're trying like they're trying, like the, the leadership is trying very hard to make this a place that businesses want to come to and that, you know, a place with economic growth. But I'm like, that's, that's great. But what if it could also be a place where business actually starts and grows in and of itself? So I had sort of two ideas. Like the first one is similar to what Peter Thiel is talking about, where you could give somebody seed money to start their company in that area. Um, and then the other thing sort of connected to that is in, uh, I, I only learned this term from watching the show Silicon Valley, but the term of uh, incubator, where essentially you give somebody space, usually for a very di big discount or sometimes for free, in return for the idea that, okay, anything they create in that space, you get a partial ownership of. So if, you know, let's say 20 years ago, or whatever it was, you had a young Mark Zuckerberg and you're like, okay, yes, you can rent my office space for free, but I get 5% of this, the Facebook thing that you're doing. You would be worth a lot of money now if you had done something like that. Peter Thiel, incidentally, I believe, was the first angel investor in Facebook, I think, or one of the really? very first. Yeah, he, he invested $500,000 to get 10% of the company. Wow. Not bad. Pretty good, good, uh, pretty yeah. good return on that. So, um, so those are sort of the two ideas. And those ideas could obviously coordinate well together. It's almost like you could give somebody seed money and then they they work on their business in, in you know, one of my properties type of thing as well. Because, um, but it's, it's trying to um, make this a place that people want to go to that are that are it has some interesting things. Dare I say some cool things or whatever? Mm -hmm. But but rather than just sort of the idea of right now, it feels like it's a place that young people are in because either number one they just feel trapped, or number two they're there but they're like, I'm just here for a short time. I'm not here yeah. for you know a long time. I'm here for a short time. And yes. you know the idea that. Stone. Yeah. And it's like, you know, how do you make it a little bit more than that? And not trying to like, oh, I'm going to make this the next whatever. It's just sort of when you have a place like Austin that is doing so well, it's good and bad. I mean, it's great for the city and you see all this stuff and you're seeing all these high rises and all that and Elon Musk and all these different people. But for somebody just starting off, I mean, it's almost like this city has become like a San Francisco where it's so expensive to live in that people are having to live in, in, in the suburbs or the places that are far away. And as the traffic gets worse and worse going to downtown, in my theory, it's like, well, why go south where everyone's going? You know, why go with, why would I go with the crowd, man? Why don't you go against the, against the grain a little bit, pop up north. You're not going to have any traffic at all, all the way up. And you can do things for a fraction of the price in a place that's very encouraging to the young developer versus right now, it's like, let's face it. I mean, if you've got the choice in your city and you've got like Elon Musk on, hey, I want to buy another 500 acres and turn this into a midi town and and build another million square feet of my uh, warehouse. Can we get the permits in 30 days? Austin's going to go, yes. But if you're a young entrepreneur being like, hey, can we get the finish out in our office done? They're like, yeah, sure. In 18 months. And you're going to have to get 50 inspections and we're probably going to fail you and we don't care. It's kind of that way. 
So if you had a place that, because I keep thinking, I'm like, well, what is everyone else doing and what can I do that's going to distinguish me, that's different, that's that's catering to something a little bit smaller because everyone's doing stuff that's so big. Like I told you, there's a, a new, um, not data center, but I forget what they're calling it, logistics, a logistics center in Temple that's going to be 1.8 million square feet of warehouse property. Wow. And, and for people who have not seen a million square feet of warehouse, it's quite large. 100,000 square feet is quite, even 10,000 square feet. You're like, oh, 20, that's a big building. Yeah, I think about 20,000 square yeah. feet being very- That's quite large. Very large, yeah. Now we're talking um, over 50 times that big. Quite, quite large. So- um, hey, When you say a logistics company, I'm assuming that they're like a- uh, uh, well, like a like a like a third party fulfillment center. So so it's called a logistics center. Um, so I don't think they I don't think they necessarily have tenants already for that. It's something where investors are coming in. They're building all this space, and yes, they're looking for because it's right off thirty. Well, I guess it doesn't have to be fulfillment. It can just be like storage, and trucks can yeah. can stop there, pick it up, go. It, it can be a lot of different things. But I would assume they're going to have multiple clients. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that's the deal. And, and that area, they just put in a FedEx distribution center just north of that. There's um, a Walmart one, there's an HEB, there's a bunch of stuff. So they, they may, there may well become like an Amazon one there, like I wouldn't be surprised. So that logistics of, of a, a road like 35, and for people who don't know, I mean, 35 goes all the way down to Mexico and goes all the way up to Canada. So it really splits the country almost in half going north to south. So it's a great place if you're in the transportation business. Um, I'm not saying that our friends from Colombia would go buy a bunch of this warehouse space and use that. It would make perfect sense if they did. I don't have any friends in Colombia, by the but, way. But, uh, you know, <laughs> if they wanted something a little smaller and boutique with a guy who knows how to keep a secret, well, you know, we might know somebody. Because um, I love to plead ignorance and be like, I didn't know. I mean, they just paid for six years in advance in cash. I mean, why, how was I supposed to know? So... <laughs> Seemed like a good deal to me. It seemed like a great deal, man. I didn't have to argue over price or anything. So, um, so yeah, it's it's you know because I'm 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 thinking about this next project and I kept thinking about it in a more just by the numbers, like literally by the numbers type of way. And I'm like, okay, how come how can we get this and how can we get that and and then because if you want to take it as a sign from the universe or whatever you want to say, but certain people were really dragging their feet. So a project that really could have been started a couple months ago is still a couple months away from being started because certain things aren't done. It's actually a good thing because it's given me time to start looking around and thinking about it and sort of thinking about overall, like what do I want to do on a bigger picture? And I want to do things that have a certain look to them. I want it to look kind of cool, a little bit more modern, a little bit more, dare I say hip, um, because if everyone else is going for big and practical, I can't compete with that. I can't compete with a million. I mean, a million, 1.8 million square feet at, let's say conservatively a hundred dollars a square foot to build. That's a hundred million dollar project. I don't have a hundred million dollars. I don't think I could get a loan for a hundred million dollars or even $80 million or even $50 million at this point in my life. So it's like, okay, I can't compete with that. So what can I do? And I'm like, well, I've got land. I've got stuff that's close by. Um, what if I did something that was a little bit more interesting, a little bit smaller that a smaller business person would be interested in? But it could also be like, hey, this would be a great place for a coffee place or like, a, you know, or a cool, you know, whatever type of thing, because it's it's a flexible space that looks like it could be a lot of different things. So it's not huge, huge, you know, 24 foot high ceilings. We need 16 foot high ceilings or things like that. That actually ironically would save me a little bit of money, but would mm -hmm. also be, I think, more versatile. And there's really not a lot like that out there at all, but there mm -hmm. is everywhere else. So there is like, I saw a bunch of that stuff in Spicewood. So again, that's uh, sort of way south. When you say everywhere else, you mean everywhere else outside of Temple? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so a lot of other places in the Austin area. So in Austin, Pflugerville is where I saw that one. There's stuff in Round Rock. So there's stuff in a lot of the different suburbs in Austin, but there's really nothing like that in Temple. And to me, it's like, if you want a place, it's almost like maybe a little bit of the Field of Dreams type of thing. If you build it, they will come. But it's also like, 
if you're invested in a place, you're already taking a risk. So it's not like I'm taking a bigger risk. And I always think about that. If you build it, it, it will come. And man, I think that that, I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in that. I think that guy was hallucinating, man. I think that's the thing. <laughs> I, mean, like, I think it was at the end. Like, I'm thinking from the standpoint should... where I have like, I'm like very traumatic standpoint of my parents uh, opened up several restaurants. They opened yeah. up several convenience stores and nobody came. I mean, literally yeah. for eight hours, nine hours a day, we just stared at the walls hoping a customer would come in and in their mind, it's like, oh, you know, they don't have a hot wing. We were the first hot wing place in San Marcos. Can you imagine? That. that was like, I mean, it's a college town, right? Yeah. And yeah. we got destroyed within a year. Now you have, you know, the wing stop. Now you have pluckers. Now you have hooters. And they all, yeah. they're all booming, right? Yeah. Um, so we were the, we literally had no competition. Yeah. And we still just got destroyed. And there was a lot of things that we just didn't know about business at the time yeah. um, that would have helped us get to where we needed to to, to get to. But the idea, if, it, if you build it and you do some other things on top of it, they yeah. will come. Well, then yeah, that's... but just building it, nah. No. It's like if you have, we talk about it all the time, right? Like I say this, um, uh, I, I remember I did a video for Know Your Exits and I talk about this, right? I was like, there's basically three things to have a successful business. Um, fundamentally. I mean, there's a lot more than that, but I would say fundamentally. Number one is you have to have a really good product, right? So I would say building, well, like your 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 building is your product. If you're a yeah. real estate developer, yes. your building yeah. is your product. For sure. So I would say first and foremost, have a good product. Yep. But number two is you have to have great marketing and, yeah. and, I, and, and, and vice versa. So for example, yep. if you're a business and you have a good product, but you have no marketing, nobody will buy it. Now, if you flip it, and if you're a business and you have a really garbage product, but you have great marketing, people will buy it only one time, yeah. right? So you have to have a you have to have a great product, and then yeah. you have to have really great marketing. Then after that, you spend all your time developing trust yeah. within your, you know, community. Yep. Um, and and those are the three things. So, like for example, the uh, the very last restaurant my parents opened was this hot wing place in San Marcos. Great product. Um, pretty good location, no marketing, yeah. right? Um, so you can, I say it all the time, right? You could have the cure for cancer. Nobody yeah. would buy it if they don't know you have it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's about, a lot of it's about creating that awareness. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's that's actually a yeah. good point. And and so I've thought about that a little bit and, and you just hearing you talk about it makes me think about it more. Um, so a couple things. One thing that, that that development in Pflugerville did, which was really cool, is they use drone footage of the construction of it. So they had like a drone flying over CC first. It's just this, you know, like an old house and a big square lot. And then it's like, ooh, now they're starting to site prep. So you see all the trucks and a lot of dirt and things like that. It's like, ooh, now they're starting to do the foundation and then the framing. And like, it looks really cool. You get to see all the, that way. So I've already had a guy who did drone footage, uh, just um, pictures before, but they do video as well. So I'm going to talk to them about like show them that video and be like, you know, how much is it probably would cost a couple thousand bucks to do something like that. But I'm like, it's a great promo because it just it looks cool. Um, yeah. Then the second thing to me is almost figuring out a name. Like, what do you call this place? Because it's like when you name something, it it gives it a life of its own. You think about it. That's like you have a kid. It's like you name the kid. Now, all of a sudden, they're not a kid. They're not whatever they're. The, whatever the name is. So there's something to they're that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, uh, you know, it's just, that's, that's sort of another thing. And then also the idea of, you know, you could do, you could have your own website for it. You could have a Facebook page for it, an Instagram page for it. You could really spice up the marketing and make it almost like, cause I'm seeing places like this where it's almost like an experience is kind of what they're marketing. That might be too far. Like, I don't want to, it's like you could, you could easily go too far into hipsterville because it's like, that's a, that's a bridge too far, I think. But the idea of something new and potentially creative could be really interesting. Could be. Mm -hmm. So, um, the first thing I'm going to do is, is, uh, figure out how to do that sort of drone video thing, because that's like a, you need to have footage throughout the different phases of construction and that's yeah. just kind of cool anyway just to capture that just to you know as to you know mm -hmm. i wish i had 
done that a little bit more on the on the first one because it's it's pretty crazy when you think of you see something that's a field now it's like buildings and you're like i i kind of did that i mean not physically but you know i threw money at the problem so um <laughs> now so you that, did do it so that's part of it so it's i, I don't know and, and that all those ideas could sort of possibly be in one thing so in other words it's like this idea of like an incubator space you maybe could do that in one of these buildings maybe i don't know if i'd want to do it yet because it's like that's yes. a long-term game on something where you're giving up income in the beginning for the belief. So we're gonna do, I, I want to do the old Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger deal. Yeah. Where one of the guys comes up with a really great idea because yeah. I think your idea is fantastic. But yeah. the other guy's whole job yeah. is to tear apart the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, and, I, and I don't think I can tear apart the idea because I love the idea. It's a good idea. It's probably well, the way I... Yeah, See, I, 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 I could tear apart the idea relatively as I, I could do either one. That's I think. Usually, yeah, I'm usually the guy that comes up with like this optimistic yeah. idea and you're yeah. usually the, on the other end of it. You're yeah. like, eh, nah. Well, so, so to me, it's like, <laughs> there's always the worry that, um, no matter how much you try for something, it's just not in the cards for certain places and things like that. Or it's just like, you're too soon. Like I've seen that in Austin where I knew a guy who was a developer and he was building in great areas, but this was like 2006, 2007. It was like, and we still had a recession to go through. And he just, he was probably about five to six years too early. He ended up going bankrupt. Um, you know, I knew another yeah. guy who did uh, spec homes. So that it's, it's basically means you build a home and then you, you build it and then they will come to buy it type thing. And he also went bankrupt. He did some interesting stuff. It looked cool, but it's like he got overextended we hit a recession and that. So, so you can have the right idea, but you can be a little bit early and that can kick you in the ass. So it's like, this might be a great idea for 10 years from now, but maybe it's too early. So there's that idea. Um, the second thing, like I sort of alluded to before, um, do you want a five-year lease with a solid tenant who you know is going to pay you? Or do you want to like literally give up money in the hope that some of these yin yangs that you're paying money to well you know it's like you're almost losing two things because you would be investing money in something and then letting them stay at a thing it's like you're, you're double costing yourself which to me that is um being a poor businessman so it's almost like you'd want to do one or the other you'd want to do an incubator space or you'd want to do some sort of grant thing but you wouldn't want to do both with the same property because now you're getting rid of a, a smart safety net so I think just thinking about that idea, I don't think I would do that, at least on this next project. I don't have, um, I would want to have three sort of mini business parks first before I start venturing to the idea of giving somebody free rent. Um, so yeah, that would be my one way of talking it out. The other thing is that um, I, I have a lot of faith that the the downtown area will become something very different soon. And the reason I do is because there's a company out of Waco that for the last year and a half has been renovating these two old hotels and a theater. It was like a, a live theater type thing. And they're getting relatively close to being done. They are actually put in a park. The city put in a, a five-story parking lot right by one of the hotels. They're putting in another five-story one, a couple streets over. Um, these hotels are almost done. They're going to be retail and then apartments. The theater is going to continue to be like a live theater where like they're going to have shows and stuff like that. They're going to have a food hall next to that. Um, they have ones all over the place. We were in Raleigh, North Carolina a few years ago. They had one. They have one in Waco that these same guys built. That's really, that's nice. I went there during the week and it's packed and it's, it was, the food was good and it was interesting. It wasn't like the other thing is these food halls don't have like generic you know, food, this is like sort of more um, local type of stuff. So it's not like Kentucky fried chicken or whatever. It's like, no, this is like Bob's fried chicken or El Pollo's Hermanos or something like that. You know, that, that <laughs> last frame guy, he's very organized. Um, so you have that. Now you have a grocery store that's, that's, there's just starting to build like right, like half a street away. And when I was, in college, the so I went to UCLA and, and, and Westwood was where UCLA was. And at the time, it was very un-user-friendly for people who actually lived on campus. 
because most people went to UCLA and they would maybe stay in the dorms during the week and they'd go home during the weekends. My family lived across the country and I was already like, I'm never going back there. So I was like, you'd be there alone on the weekends. Like there's nobody around. And there was just like a little mini Mart supermarket. But years later, they started getting more people from different parts of the state and stuff like that. So then they built like a big grocery store. Then they built another big grocery store. And it was like, all of a sudden it's like, okay, now all your needs can be met in this little downtown area. So you don't have to go and get in your car and go to another place or go wherever. So I see Temple starting to do that a little bit. So in my mind, okay, this downtown could really become a place where people live. And if it's a place where people live, it's going to be younger people for the most part. You may get some older folks, but but for the most part, it's going to be younger people. If you have theater, if you have a you know, grocery store, if you've got nice apartments, if you've got retail, that starts adding up to things. So then I start thinking about other stuff that would be interesting. And I'm like, um, another thing that would be cool would be a co-working space because co-working stuff, as much as we saw like the WeWork crash, post-pandemic, that seems like that's becoming the business model. Like if you I look, like that idea. So that becomes something where, because again, if you're living downtown, okay, you live down there, but a lot of people post-pandemic are still working from home and things like that. But as most of us have seen, it's like, man, sometimes you can't get that much done at home. Sometimes it's nice to have somewhere to go, even if it's just down the street, because it's like, maybe you want to get away from your, let's say you've got two enormous obnoxious dogs and you want to get away from sometimes. That might be me, uh, you know, or you want to get away from your spouse or your kids or whatever it might be. Like the idea of having an office is appealing, but the idea of needing to be in the office all the time is something that most people don't want anymore. So it's becoming a blend because people are like office space is done. I'm like, it's not done, but it's changing. The concept of an office is changing. And this co-working idea has really taken off again. It's funny. It's like we work kind of came up so fast and it was a little bit too soon because if we work had been around and started during the pandemic i think it would have done really well but because it came and crashed pre-pandemic um it just wasn't the right timing but now there's a bunch of these co-working spaces that are starting to pop up and if you had something interesting that was in this downtown area again it's like okay now you can work you can live you can shop there's places to eat you can go see, you know, go see a show. The next thing to me would be now you need a movie theater or something like you start thinking about the different businesses that could happen. And then you start thinking about the areas around the downtown, just like in Austin, where around downtown used to be. Mm, but once downtown really became a thing, now the property around the downtown becomes much more valuable. So um, I don't know. It's, like, it, it's I guess when you start thinking about investing in a place, at first you look at the place as well, where is the opportunity? But at a mm -hmm. certain point, I think you might get to the point where you go, how do I create more opportunity in this place? Because I already see opportunity and I'm going to take the opportunity, but is it possible to create more opportunity? And that's the question I'm mulling in my head right now is, is it possible to really get this to another level? I don't know, but I'm, I think I'm going to find out. So that's a very interesting question. I think that that's the probably premise of what we're talking about today is how does a person create opportunity? But it's not, I would say, as simple as question as that, right? Like, yeah, when someone asks, well, how do you create opportunity? My follow up would be, well, First, you have to figure out what sort of opportunity you are particularly trying to create, right? Like, who are you and what yep. is your niche, right? Yep. Um, because the type of uh, the type of opportunities I will try to create for myself, right? And and yep. and let's be honest, that's what we're really trying to do. Yeah. We're, we may be trying to create opportunities for other people, but at the end of the day, it's also trying to create, we're trying to create more opportunity for ourselves. Yeah, because they're going right? to take that opportunity. Otherwise, it screws up my opportunity. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So, I think the real question is what kind of, and, and here's from the outside looking in, I'll give you my perspective. So yeah. what type of opportunity, it would be like, what type of opportunity is Carter trying to create for himself? And I don't think, I think one of the mistakes that I've made in the past in business mm -hmm. is that when I try to create, and you've seen me do this many a times, I mean, yeah. 
I will, if I have a, an idea, I'll run with it. That's, that's yeah. probably my strongest point. It's also yeah. been, you know, a, a point where I've lost a lot of money doing that. Yeah. So what I can tell you is that in my experience from, from, the, from, from doing that with different types of businesses, it's understanding like what really is your business. Yeah. And then from there, staying within that to create the opportunity. So for example, um, I like when I like venture capitalism and incubator programs, things like that, yeah. those are completely different types of businesses from yeah. what, what you are, right? Yeah, I As agree. a real estate developer. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like I, I've done this before with Sally. I was like, well, how can we connect this business to this business? Cause it'll right. feed this business. And yeah. then sometimes it really doesn't. Yeah. I think that the most important, you know, with the, one of the concepts that you went over and I really love it is the, uh, the idea, and we've talked about this before you eliminate competition by being authentic. Yeah. And I think that you've identified that already, right? Because yeah. you're like, man, there's these million dollar square footage spaces, but there's not like these in-between spaces. Yeah. And there's not these spaces that are looking more modern. Like nobody's yeah. really doing that. Yep. But at the end of the day, you're understanding like who is your clientele. Yeah. So it, it also comes down to like, well, are you, are you building the restaurant? Are you building the coffee shop? Or are you building the... Uh, the location where people like people are, are storing stuff. And I know yeah. we talked a little bit about yeah. yesterday. It's, yeah. it's almost one of those things where you just want to have a space and then it like somebody can create their own, like that's, it's, it's that's just a the canvas. Idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I love the idea of like smaller space. That's that like you're, you're, there's, there's a problem there and you're solving that problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you don't have a lot of competition, mm-hmm. um, in that area. Uh, I like the idea, man, you're hundred percent right about being too early. Like people don't understand, like if people will think like, Oh, if I would have just invested in the internet, yeah. there are literally people that lost all their money investing of in the course. internet because Absolutely. they invested in the internet way too Absolutely. early. So yeah. you can be too early. You can be too late yep. timing, just like in boxing yep. is everything. It is. Timing is it everything. Is. Yeah. Um, and you don't know the I, thing with timing is you don't know too. That's the scary part. You don't yes. know. You don't know if you're, too, you fail. only know. Like, you don't know if you're too late on that punch until he punches you back. You don't know if you're too early until he punches you back. You know you're right when you hit him, but but you never know that. So That's right. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Um, so, I would say, like, the, the big thing going back to the Charlie Munger thing, right, is, like, a level of competence. Yeah. And play the game. Yeah. Play the game that you know how to play very, very, yeah. very well. Yeah. Um, and, and here's – so – when, when you, because I, I think that's really thinking outside the box. And when you think outside the box, I think that that's like, um, I think that's the next level stuff, right? Like, I think that's where, uh, that's where people really, really get far ahead. And I, I like, I, I, I like to go into the, I, I like to try to be that guy that thinks outside the box. And Sally is very much a person that, that thinks more inside the box, yeah. um, and knows how to operate very well yep. within the box. Right. Yep. And so, um, the level of the level of competence, just playing the game that you have the most advantage of uh, where, where, where you have the most advantage um, to win. So yeah. when you talk about like a venture capitalism, yeah, it's 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 a different game. And here's what I think about. Here's what I really think about. it. I don't think that it's even necessary. I think that Temple is becoming the place that you're going to want it to become. Yeah. In other words, it's going to be a place where people need your space and you won't have to do much to Maybe. get people yeah. in there, right? Yeah. It's already growing in that way. Yep. Now, what you said about Temple being this like, um, like attracting more people, yeah. man, about 10 years ago, <clears throat> uh, Kyle was in the same situation yep. Yep. more than that. Maybe it was about 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And, um, I forgot who I was speaking to. To, I think it was actually an article that came out, um, and it basically was about um, it was a good stepping stone. So, in other words, if you just graduated college and you're going to like medical school, or you had just become a doctor, or you had just become a lawyer and you're starting your family, this is a very good place um, to. Uh, this is a this is a very good place to uh, to start your family yeah. and, and live. But yeah. then once you started to progress in your career, yeah. 
yeah. there were no nicer homes, right? Like there, you, you had the, you had the 150, the 200, and this was 15 years ago, yeah. 200K houses, yeah. but you didn't have million dollar homes at the time, uh, yeah. right? Yeah. And so what they did is they eventually brought in a city manager who was like, okay, I, and he ran on the platform of, I am going to be the negotiator and I'm going to, I'm going to start to really hustle and get out there and, and explain to these other businesses why you're going to want to come to Kyle. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was that deal maker. And now like when you drive down here, right, like you're seeing all you're so seeing much, the, the, just, just so much growing so off much of stuff. I-35. Yeah. You yeah. got the million dollar neighborhoods that, yeah. that are being uh, put up all that type of thing, because what they don't want to happen is they didn't want it to be just a blue collar area. They yeah. want it to be a mix. They want it yeah. to be, you know, definitely if you're a blue collar guy, we need you guy yeah. or girl, we yeah. need you. Um, we want you to raise your families here, but yeah. if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you're an yeah. engineer, we don't want you guys leaving and taking your money to Austin either. Exactly. We want you to stay right here, yeah. but how do we do that? Well, you have to have the type of homes, you yep. have to have the type of schools yep. and you have to have the type of entertainment where people yes. don't feel like, oh, I got to go to Austin, just, Austin to, to see something. Yeah. Just, to, just to eat at a good restaurant. The reason yep. I bring all this up is because there were a lot of investors that had a lot of money, but they themselves could not keep people here. Yes. What it came down to is the city had to do it. Okay. Okay. So what I would say is that you almost, when I think about it from a business standpoint, I think about it always in terms of, I need to go where my customers are at, right? Yeah. So at this point, I know who my customers are and I know where they're at. They're on their phone, they're on their computer. Mm -hmm. We have an e-commerce business, right? Yeah. Um, we have another home service business. I know where to find them. Um, but I will tell you, and I, and I really believe this, and you know this better than I do, uh, because this is your business, is the real yep. estate developer business, man, I think it's networking and you got to yeah. go to where your customers are at. Yep. So who are your customers? Yeah. I really believe your customers are other business owners. They are. So your real, your, your, your broker, your realtor is going to do um, his job or her yep. job, right? Yep. But then if you really are trying to create opportunity, mm -hmm. then I think it's doing something that you and yep. I hate to do. Yeah. And you know what I'm going to say? And it's networking and you and yep. I both hate it. We, and we, we, well, well I, okay. I'm not going like, to speak for you. I'm throwing you in the I, I, I hate, hate it. Yeah. I hate it the way it's normally done, which is like, you go to like, cause the way to me, when I think about the way it's been done, where it's like, you go to conferences, you go to meetups. I literally have never made any connection there ever. That's ever made me a dollar ever. Not one time. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the way I like to network, it's kind of the way you like to network too. And this is, I think, good for people to hear because when they say the networking thing, it makes me cringe. I know it makes you cringe and it makes a lot of yeah. people cringe because number one, it's like, it's just, it feels like bullshit. And number two, it kind of is bullshit in terms of the results. Like I, like I literally have never gotten a deal. I've literally never made any Do good. Do you know what my thought is usually Carter? And I don't want to, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I it just, I go back to that. Um, and I don't want to talk bad about it because I know people that have made money from, from it. Yeah. Lifestyles Unlimited. Yeah. But I always feel like the people yeah. that are really doing stuff, they're not out there networking. They're not, they're not doing, they're that doing stuff. stuff. Yeah. So that's so, why I don't, that's why I can't get no. networking in my head. You're totally but right. But also, the reason I've also talked to other people that have networked yep. and they've done really, really well. I, again, well, I don't think there's a right or yeah. wrong answer. I think they're yeah. just right or wrong for you. I agree. So to me, it's like I would just present an alternative way of doing it, which to me is word of mouth. And so, in other words, like I meet this builder, I like this kid, I was telling you about him uh, yesterday. And what I like about him is he's very, he is very active in networking, but it's networking the way most construction guys network, which is like, you know, you meet this person and they say, Hey, you should meet this person. You meet that person. It's sort of like individual thing at a time. And so this guy's like, Hey, you know, I know you're looking for an architect. These are some good people. Like, why don't you guys, you know, and he sends a group email. So then I meet with the architect people. And then he's like, Hey, here's another group of architects and civil engineers. You should meet with them. He sends that. So so I'm taking lots of meetings with people that I'm, you know, sort of just meeting for the first time. But I think that's, to me, a better way of doing it. And then what I always try and do is, um, you know, I like when I went to meet with these architects, I'm like, OK, who what builders do you like? And they were saying ones. I'm like, OK, I know this. I know that guy. I know that guy. They're like, what about these guys? I'm like, oh, I don't know them. They're like, I'm like, would you could you do an introduction? Sure. So then they send an email. So then I meet these builders. And so it it just kind of works to me that way where I always try and meet the person. Um, 
kind of see if it's because personalities matter and it's like you you need to feel like you can trust the person you need to feel like they're your kind of person um and then i'm trying to be very clear with especially builders and things like that where i'm like okay i got a finite amount i can you know and i, I just break it down by the numbers i'm like if i'm sounding cheap or whatever this is why because you know i have i, I have a ceiling on how much i can rent this thing for um, so therefore, if the cost of construction is above a certain thing, it just literally makes zero financial sense to build something. And it's already a big risk. Even if you're trying to make a certain amount of money and you think you will on paper, you're still taking a huge risk. If you put that, if you couple that on the fact that you're taking this huge risk to break even, that's not, I'm not the guy to do that. Like I'm not doing that. So, so, it, you know, th- it's good sort of to get that understanding. And then it's like, again, they may have people, oh, you should talk to this guy. And so I've done that. That's been my networking with Temple where it's like, okay, I meet my broker. He's like, well, I'm not the guy to, he's like, I'm the guy to find you deals, but for leasing, you want to meet this guy, Bobby. So I meet Bobby. And then Bobby's like, you know, if you need a good landscape guy, you should talk to someone. And so that to me is the way to network is by word of mouth. Because what I think people get, wrong is it's this idea of like you're going to be discovered like you know like you're going to be like uh tia carrera working at the grocery store pamela anderson watching the football game the the, the jumbotron is going to come on you and that's going to be your big break and it's like well if you're that maybe but if you're a normal person you're going to have to build up your own network and so to me building up a network is finding people that may already have a good working relationship with each other and then inserting yourself on that because yes go ahead ahead. yeah it's to me it's it tends to work better when you when you have people that already have worked with each other and work well with each other yeah versus the idea of you're bringing all these random pieces together of people who don't know each other uh as we've watched from uh you know some of the great heist films of all times we watch oceans 11 those guys all knew each other They'd all worked with Danny Ocean before. It wasn't like Danny Ocean, except for the Matt Damon character, but they knew his dad, uh, Super Dave Osborne, as we learned from the sequel. So, you know, it's one of those things, if, you, <laughs> if you're bringing in a bunch of strangers, it's like, man, it, it's it's too much, there's too many uncertainties there. Because you want to have people that work well together, you also want to know if like, okay, these two people, these two groups or people or whatever, they don't get along at all. It's like, okay, that's not the right fit for this particular situation or this project. And I just think that, word of mouth networking, which is, I think, the, the networking that you do, to me, that's way better. And because it's a I, one-on-one type of thing. It's, it's, it's way more powerful. Yeah, because it's like, to me, the one-on-one thing is, that's what matters. It's like, you're going to a group of strangers, and it's like, yeah, I can make people laugh or do whatever, but it's like, I don't know if I want to work with any of these people. And I've done these things, and I'm like, I'm just not doing them anymore, because to me, they're just a you, waste but, of time. And Yes, I agree. But here's one thing that... Um, and I don't know the answer to this, but I'm going I, 2023. I'm I'm going to do a little bit more of it, and I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. And I remember okay. that when when you moved from uh, res, uh you know flipping you had a, you had a huge uh, uh home flipping business. I mean it was doing great volume. You were doing really doing really well with it. And then obviously you took the next leap in your career and you became a developer. Yeah. And and yeah. and when you became a developer, I remember having the conversation. We were like, Mo, I really love developing a lot more. And the reason why is because the clientele is different. Yes. Right. Not dealing yes. with these 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 home runners. I'm dealing with business owners, and they yes. just think different. They operate different. Yep. We we understand each other a little bit more yeah. because we're both business owners. Okay. Yep. The reason I say that is because, um, you brought up a point about build it and they will come. And I want yeah. to. I I think that remember you're very big on reverse engineering, and I think that you 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 reverse engineer this. So instead of building it and that they come. Mm-hmm. Do the opposite. Go find them, yeah, figure out that. what they want, yep. and then build and it. Build and it, I'm yeah. going to give you a, a real good example of a buddy of mine. His name's Derek Bowman, um, and we've been friends for a while. A while. He's a com- he's a commercial uh, um, real estate agent, right? Mm-hmm. He uh, um, he went ahead and he lives out in Lockhart. Okay. He went ahead. We were always uh, meeting up like once a month to kind of you know trade ideas yeah. uh, over at the summer moon, right? In Kyle. Okay. Yeah. So one day we're sitting at the summer moon and he says, man, this is a really neat place. Yeah. You know, I wish Lockhart had something like this. Mm-hmm. So guess what he does? He go, I, he, we actually talk about it. He says he's going to do it, but it was amazing to watch it. 
um, he goes ahead and he tr- tracked down the CEO of Summer Moon. Yep. Basically sends him a cold letter, cold email. Yep. yep. And nothing, nothing, nothing. Continues to follow up, follow up, follow up. Finally, months go by. Gets a response. Doesn't, doesn't even believe it. Yeah. The response is not what he wanted to hear. Yeah. Right. It was like, eh, Lockhart's just not really growing in a way that we yeah. we feel is conducive for our business. Yep. Um, but thank you so much for reaching out. If we change yeah. our mind, we'll give you a heads up. Well, he says, thank you so much. You know, Derek's like, thank you so much, whatever. And he, but he continues to follow up even still. Yeah. Finally, an email comes through. He's like, hey, um, do you have any land out there? And then that was it. Nice. Now nice. you go to Lockhart. And there's a summer moon, right? And it yeah. was all because of that. So I think yeah. it really is about who who are the people that you're doing, they're business owners, right? Yeah. So I, I think instead of like having venture capitalists, which yeah. is like very, it's it's a, it's a little bit more risky. And if you yeah. look at it, a lot of people that start venture capitalists, they're people that have like, they've already hit their billion dollar mark. Yeah. So they take like 10% of their money and yeah. they use it for like, um, you know, like they place these risky bets because they want the large returns. Yep. Uh, and they have the money to lose to do that, right? But yep. I think that this is kind of a hybrid where yep. like you go out and you're not really venture capitaling, but you're like finding a business owner, right? Yep. Who's already very successful. So there's no gamble there. Yeah. And it's like, hey, everything about expanding your business over here. Yeah. And by the way, if you need space, I can either A, I already have it, or two, I can already build it. Yep. And it may not even be what you're into now, yeah. but it could be like, you know what, Carter, I'm in the restaurant space. If yeah. you can build me, if you can find the land, build a space where I can open my restaurant, I'm coming to Temple. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you can find the space, build me the, the shell, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I want a coffee shop in Temple. Yeah, I will. I will. I will move into your space and we'll have a long term lease. And I think that's a thing. So I think it's identifying where are the successful business owners yeah. congregating. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, and then you want to go in with them and you just kind of, you know, you, you that's that's your network is other successful business owners because there's no gamble there. Yeah. They're already successful at what they do. You're just telling yeah. them what you do and how you could help them expand. Yes. Yes. And that's all you did with Summer Moon. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. look. I, 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 I'm, I know what you do. I know you're already very successful. This is what I do. Yeah. And if you ever want to expand out to Lockhart, let me know. I will find you the spot. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what he did. Speaking of which, uh, guess where uh, Summer Moon is opening up their next location. Hey, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's, fun, it's funny because Summer Moon is actually an interesting little franchise because I remember, I feel like the first one, was on Congress, like South Congress, like South South Congress, like towards Ben White. Like this is a long time ago. I knew a girl who lived yeah. like right by there. So this is maybe like 17 years ago I went there. Um, and like a lot of Austin businesses, it's like there's like one location, maybe two. And then all of a sudden it's like they hit this weird tipping point, like P. Terry's, where it was like there was just the one on Lamar, there was one by campus. And then all of a sudden it was like there was another one. And now it's like, man, dude, they're everywhere. Like they're everywhere now. They're, they're building one in Kyle, right? I mean, like there's, they're all over the place. They should build one in Temple too. Um, so it's always interesting to watch these franchises go from like a couple to all of a sudden like a thing. Like Torchies was like the trailer park on on um, First Street, and I used to go to that one. I used to live right by there, and like there was there was a couple other spots, and then it was like more. And now it's like I go see my nieces in Dallas. There's a Torchies right down the street. I mean, like they're all over the place in in, in Central Texas. So um, it's funny because when I saw the Summer Moon and Temple coming, I'm like. This is a good sign because it I, is. Yeah. It, it is. It, it, they, because yeah. one thing I can tell you is that from talking to Derek and he taught, you know, him communicating with the upper management with yeah. Summer Moon. Yeah. They do a ton of research. It's yes. not nilly willy. We're just going to no. open up a spot there and see yep. how it goes. Yep. It's they will only go there if they feel like there's a high probability of success and the way yep. they determine the high probability of success is they do a lot of their, their research on demographics yep. and, and yep. they, they know what other businesses are coming. They know how yep. they know the rate of growth yep. of what, you know, where, where is town or city is going. Yeah. And yep. they're looking for a particular type of vibe too. Like that's, they don't want, um, yes. I remember that's, that was one of their arguments with Lockhart. It's like, it's not really the hillbillies and they're, Barbecue. It, yeah, exactly. It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. it is a very good sign. A yeah. Very good that, sign. That's the thing. Cause when you see a place where they have 
Okay, it's like, because th- this is interesting, and, and again, I have no idea if this will be interesting to anybody other than you and me, but because I drive a lot, and I drive a lot through Texas and small town Texas and stuff like that, like small town Texas will have some big franchises, you know, Dairy Queen and Walmart and things like that, but then a lot of them, it's like, that might be the extent of it. You know, they may have like a Burger King or something like that. Then it's like the town gets more popular, successful, whatever. And then they'll start getting all the major stuff and they'll get, you know, Chick-fil-A. And then when they're at a certain point, they'll get our, our beloved Starbucks. And it's like, okay, so now they're they're moving on up to a certain level. But when they start getting things like Summer Moon, which is more of a little bit of a... Like a boutique a, we, type Yeah, of- it's like more of a boutique. It started in Austin. So it's got a certain vibe to it. That's taking a town to a new level because it's not the same thing as like somebody opening up a franchise like and just, you know, being like, screw it, let's just see what happens type thing. It's like it's a little bit more meticulous, I guess, would be maybe a word that you're you're describing in their approach. Yes. And to me, that's like, OK, now this town is entering into a new realm because you go through all the national franchises. But when you start getting a more local franchise that started off in a cool place it's kind of deeming this town as you have cool potential. It's kind of like, you know, this is like, uh, you're the new kid. And, you know, all of a sudden they're like, uh, Hey man, why don't you come sit at this table? And you're like, I don't have to sit at the dork table anymore. (laughs) Not that this happened to me. I was at the dork table for most of my career in high school, but it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see that. Cause yeah, when I saw that, I'm like, this is an interesting sign because everything else I had seen was, you know, some bigger franchises. And another thing I saw actually was Irosti, the the pain clinic stuff mm-hmm. where they do like the, the little thumb massage thing. And that started in San Antonio. But that's another one of those things where it's like they cater to a certain clientele. I, I went to Irosti a few different times. And I mean, they're expensive. It's like $250, $300 a session. They don't take insurance or whatever. So it's like they're not just going to put that in any willy-nilly town because it's not going to survive. I mean, like if you're charging 250 bucks a pop and, you know, you got a low medium income, it's like, dude, you're going out of business. You know, that's great. So when that popped up right down the street from where the summer moon is, I'm like, that's interesting. That's interesting. And I feel like I'm in a unique position because number one, I'm always driving there looking at what's happening next. Number two, it's like, I don't think a lot of people have been to Irosti clinics just in their life. So it's like just being able to spot that and then seeing something like summer moon, it's like, there's not a lot of people that live there that might know what that means, but because I live here. So it's an advantage in many ways to live in Austin and essentially quote unquote work in Temple because to see how things are growing out. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Cause if you're just there, you kind of lose perspective sometimes, or it's like things have changed and you just, you don't really notice because you know, it's, it's happening in front of you. So you don't really sort of get the same feel of it versus if you're seeing it every once in a while. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I agree with you. Say I, when it comes to the development of a town and you want to control, not control, but have some sort of influence on how a yeah. town develops, yeah. I would say there are two major things that come up to mind besides having a lot of money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of money always helps. Yes, it um, does. But I would say number one is um having you like ha- getting to know the city manager and yeah. having a role in like when city when when people are are discussing who's going to be the mayor and who's going to be the city manager like yeah. you playing a role in yeah. influencing it because they have very different platforms yeah. some people they could be like uh john dutton and they don't yeah. want anything to grow there the- and that's not going to be very good for your business right and then you don't want that guy so yeah. you want to yeah. influ- you want the guy that's like man jamie i'm going to bring yeah there you, you want you jamie want dutton yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. um <laughs> Uh, so that's number. So I would say that's yep. number one to to influence. You know, besides having a lot of money, number, having a lot of money is number one. It number allows two, you influence too, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. you can yeah. uh, go ahead and support your you donate next to that campaign. Or, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And then I would say so th- that's number two. And then number um, three would be networking with. Yep. Th- and this is the this is the one that I I I, I want you to see if you if, if you get interested in it. Yeah. To, to let me know because obviously it could expand my network. And I want to know how you go about it. Yeah. But where do all the 
It's like they call them the Illuminati. Where do the successful business owners, where are they congregating? I just find them and then I'm going to, uh, I'm going to network with them. And then as a team, we can go ahead and we can change the look of a city, a town, the influence of of it all. Yeah, and and what I find I is that, instead of build and hope they will come, no. find who wants it, then build it. Yeah, you. That's a. I like that. I like that. That's a great way to doing it. That's the way to do it. I agree. Um, and yeah, it, in terms of the um, part of that networking to me is sometimes you'll find like crucial people, and actually it reminds me I need to to follow up with this guy that I know, who is a banker who just he just knows everybody. Like he knows everybody. It's crazy how many people he knows. And, um, he's like red in Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Yeah. You, you like, because it's <laughs> like, I, I think that, um, one of the advantages I have is because Temple is a small town. A lot of people know each other. And for whatever reason, people know the stuff that I've done already. Like that, like if I say, I got those warehouses North of the high school, they're like, Oh, the two that, were, yeah. Like so many people, like I hand people my business card and it's got a picture of those. Like, Oh, you did these, these are North of the high school. Right. I'm like, yeah. So it's like, it kind of gives you a little bit of legitimacy, just having that little bit of a track record. Um, and then the other networking too, is even through my tenants, because my tenants are working on the meta project, which actually looks like it's going forward. I mean, like I, I was worried, but like from talking to them, they're like, no, we just had to submit our bids for the new, this, and they're, they're collecting this and they're going to do better. Like, so I think it is, I think, cause actually it's funny. Like nice. meta was like, their stock was day, way down. Now it's up again because Zuckerberg's like, no, no, we're going to be, you know, we have a plan for more efficiency of this and that. And he laid out. Well, you know, what he did was really, really cool is that he undersold and overdelivered. Yep. And that's what happened. Exactly. Oh, that's exactly. why the stocks went way, yep. way up. He was like, ah, we're not going to make any profits. And then the stock yep. kind of went down. Yeah. It's like we, we, we lost a bunch of money. And then the yeah. financial report came in and they, they made way more profit than he had led on to. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's so funny when people talk about that and they're like, oh, yeah, he should step aside. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry you realize Mark Zuckerberg is not even 40 years old and he's one of the richest people in the world starting a business in his dorm on what girls he wanted to bone or not. And like, you're going to doubt this man's judgment. How dare you? So, um, <laughs> he's a so pioneer. Yeah. So it's, so I, I think that, uh, even my tenants are good networking for other businesses. Cause they're like, man, yeah, we know a lot of guys are looking for space da da da. So it's, yes. you know, when they're working on a project, that's a five-year project or whatever. It's like, man, that, that gives you some interesting leeway. And then the other thing that's interesting is my buddy bought the building right behind my warehouses. He's fixing that up for his real estate broker thing. So the idea of needing like a little coffee place or whatever, it's like, it starts becoming more and more reality because if you get more businesses there, it's almost like if you build the right things, then you can make it a place where people want to congregate. And then it's like, well, now they want somewhere where like, you know, hey, let's meet by my office and have a coffee. Oh, there's a place I can walk to. That becomes appealing. So it's like a weird thing where you almost can create a retail type of market just by buying up enough stuff. I mean, I know this sounds like a like rich guy dick solution to things, but it's like, but I, I do think that's possible now because it's like, okay, I control five acres of this. I'm going to squeeze out the guy in the middle sooner or later. Um, it's happening. And then the guy behind me is like, I know that guy pretty well too. And I know what his plans are. And he's a very young, ambitious, smart guy who started his own brokerage. And now he's got like 55 realtors working for him. Um, so it's like, man, it's, it's kind of exciting to be in this little area and, and, you know, sort of see these things. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's weird. Like I was so sort of, thinking I was on my way to Florida and thinking these things. And now it's like, baby, I'm doubling down on Texas here. I'm doubling down on central Texas. And, and I'm, I'm doubling down on my original gut instinct about this town from, I guess like four years ago is when I started buying property there. And I'm telling you, and I think, and, and look for obviously for some very selfish reasons, I won't want my boy to stay close, but I think it's a very, I think it's a very good decision because it's level of competence. It goes right yeah. back to it. Like, why would you try to rebuild? Why would you try to replicate something in a town that you don't know as well? Yeah, you don't you have the connections. Have a history of success somewhere yeah. else. That's the like, thing. Yeah. Well, and and all the things too. The last, you know, we'll kind of wrap it up at this. But to me, the thing with with networking that I think people don't understand is that it's not meeting somebody. 
it's developing a relationship and then it's developing a track record. So like with, when I know these people at a title company and they know like, okay, I'm going to get this thing done. Or when I get something under contract, usually, I mean, I just dropped out of contract on something. So I'm not going to say always, but, but for the most part, when I get something under contract, I'm going to buy the thing that I say I'm going to buy. Um, that develops a, a level of trust with the people you're working with. And that in and of itself opens up new opportunities because in a lot of businesses, there are flaky people that do the opposite of what Zuckerberg did. They overpromise and underdeliver. So when that happens, people, you know, become cynical and stuff like that. So if they see somebody like, oh, this guy could make this project happen, you may get presented with an opportunity that nobody even knows about because they're like, no, we want to find somebody who we think can actually do it. And you've done this, this, and this, so you can do this. So that, that is the other part of networking. And that takes time. That takes yeah. years. Carter, and that's, so that goes right into my number three, right? So number one was create a good product. Number two was create good marketing. And number three is building trust. Exactly. When people, exactly. you and you build trust by creating a track record where people yep. say, whatever Carter says he's going to do, he actually yep. does it. That's what trust yep. is. That's all yep. it is, right? Yep. I do what I say I'm going to do. Yep, yep. And, and that's, you can trust on that. And that, and that becomes the ultimate networking is building up that reputation. And that takes time, just like for, for you guys. I mean, it's been, what, seven and a half years that Robles has been yes. around now. And, you know, some of your athletes, minus a few treacherous ones, have been with you the whole time because they know that your reputation is like we are an honest company. We are a company that does what we say we're going to do. We're a unique company, a unique product, a custom product. And, um, and if you just said that and then didn't deliver or were sort of flaky or whatever, it would be, you know, six months later, you guys are done. But it's like, man, it's coming up on 10 years. And for the jiu-jitsu apparel world, that is beyond measure. I, don't, I think there's only a couple of companies that might have been around longer at this point. So um, because a lot of them come and go because they just don't deliver on what they say they're going to do. And that matters. So it is. Thank you, my brother, you. for saying that. Sally yeah. and I were just talking about that the other day. And uh we were reminiscing on how hard this particular business is yeah. and and the proof of how difficult this business is, is we were reminiscing on all the other companies that started with us at the yep. same time or a little bit yeah. before us, a little yeah. bit after us, and who are no longer here. A lot of yeah. them got wiped out yep. uh, even before the pandemic. And if they yep. were hanging on, the pandemic really wiped them out. Yep. And um, I got to say, we've just been very... We've been very blessed, very fortunate, and um, we, you know, our, our community is growing, but it's a very, the community that we do have is very strong and supportive, and, and man, uh, that's just a great feeling waking up in the morning and knowing that <clears throat> we sort of built a community of people that, 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 that love, you know, uh, what we do, because what we do is, a, is, is different. And uh, man, that's just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but um, it's a great feeling. It's a motivating feeling because you want to, I, I don't ever wake up and think when it comes to the business of Robles, because you know we, we have some other things that we do, but when it comes to Robles at this point, I don't wake up and think about how can we make money? I love the community so much. I think yeah. about how can we, we're not doing enough for our community. Yeah. How can we, how can we give more back to the community? How can we deliver on the, on the things that they want. We need to figure out what they want. We yeah. need to create better customer experience. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, I just want, I, I want that community to be super happy. And I think we just, I put a hundred percent of my focus on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to continue just to do it that way. Yeah. And the, the and irony it of feels, that is, it just feels right. Yeah. Well, the irony of that is, is that, that of course, that's how you make more money too. It's like a weird <laughs> thing because it's like, it's like people say like money is important. You're like, yeah, you're full of crap. Um, but if you just focus on the numbers, then it, it's like, well, why, why you versus somebody else versus if you focus on the customer experience, the customer retention, the customer satisfaction, the unique factor, the fact that, you know, your, your products come in this box, where you're like, oh my God, it's this beautiful box of things. Like it's not in a, just a plastic bag that somebody just, the, the UPS guy just punts into your house and slams on the wall <laughs> is all dented like beat up it's like no it's like like comes in a, it's like a guy with white gloves named alfred like a butler is going to deliver to you and it's like that that stuff matters because you feel like oh wow like they did this for me and it's yes. like that's that 
in turn means you can charge a lot more money for something because people get what they pay for. And, and I so, think that is that, you know, yeah. you hit the nail on the head for when I do wake up and when Salia wakes up and it's more, I would say it's more me. Salia is like the day to day operations. Yeah. But when I wake up in the morning, I think about, I want that. I le- legitimately, the, the thing that, that, that really is, um, the most important thing to me is when I come home and Salia is like, such and such called or such and such said, you know, uh, and, and just said that this was the greatest gift that they had ever received. Nice. And that's really, that yeah. is, that's what I'm trying to figure out every day is how can I make every person in our community feel like they're special yeah. and that they're the most important person? Cause they, yeah. I think everybody deserves that. Like yeah. they all, they all deserve to feel like they, they are the most special person. Yeah. So how can we like deliver it. that? I love it. Yeah. I love it, man. That's we're gonna keep working thing. on it. We I don't yeah. think we've quite figured it out yet, but we're working on it every day. So we'll nice. see. I love we'll it. We'll get there. I love it, man. I love <laughs> awesome, it. my brother. We're gonna drop the mic right there to check out this ep- to re-listen to this episode. Go to the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. You can also check us out on Apple iTunes, and you can check out our past podcast. As always, I'm Mo. That's my brother Carter, and we wish you guys nothing but the best, both on and off the mat. Thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. That's it for this episode of the Jiu-Jitsu of Life. Your hosts are Carter Fisk and Mo Siddiqui. This podcast is brought to you by Rulebliss, makers of the world's finest custom jiu-jitsu apparel. You can subscribe to the Rulebliss newsletter to get the exclusive content at rulebliss.com. You can find more episodes of this show on our website at thejujitsuoflife.com. And you can subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great week, both on and off the mat.